Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Welcome to OCC. That last week we began this new series called You Fit Here, and, and we're talking about what it's like to find the right fit within a church community. And in fact, that's actually what God desires for us, for, for, for us to connect within the church and connect within the body of Christ and to find our place uh, within, within that. And if you missed that message last week, it's available on our website. You can find it online. You can also subscribe to our weekly podcast. And something about that, while the kind of online option is available, which I just gave a plug about it, while that online option provides a level of flexibility and convenience for you to kind of plug in and, and get, you know, get some, uh, some, some church in you, I guess I'll say, you can't fully experience what we're talking about this morning from your devices. Okay? The, what we're looking at today should really emphasize why being present with a group of people regularly is so, so vital to your growth. Now, I realize that sometimes that's just not uh, an option. We have many people that have jobs that, are, that take them out of you know, congregation or church community for seasons, or your, your work may be heavy, heavy traveling. So kind of tuning in and, and pulling things in online, that, that's the only way to stay connected. That's, that's great. We're, we're happy that you are connecting in that way. Or, or if, you're, if you're listening online, you know, that's that I'm talking to you. I'm, I'm glad that you're tuning in right now. We don't have a camera in the back, but I'd look at the camera right now. For those of you online at home, then we're glad you're here and tuning in too. But, but the reality is, these days we're living in a time where the experience of real face-to-face interaction and relate, relating, it's becoming less and less the norm. In fact, there's even an abbreviation. It's, here it is. It's IRL, in real life. And I don't know if you've seen this before, but it, it, it indicates this abbreviation. It, it lets people... No, you're, you're actually talking about life in the real world, in real life. So if you're, if you're a gamer or if you're you know, talking to someone online, you actually could say IRL if you're texting. You're talking about life in the real world, not life online or life in cyberspace. But these days you actually have to distinguish these things because uh, it's, it's, it, that's a question. What are we really talking about? Uh, now, social media, it's allowed us to share with people what we want them to see, right? We can show what we want to see. We can kind of hide what we don't want people to see. We've got a fun video about this. It's called, Are You Living an Insta-Lie?
You know, this just shows how we can manage our reputation and present ourselves any way we'd like through through the magic of social media. Now, it's it's on the rise more and more, and, and we're more connected, but as a culture, we're becoming more and more individualistic. Keeping to yourself is, is actually becoming more and more the norm. We, we can have neighbors that we live, like they build houses right next to each other these days, right? There's no space between houses. Hey, you can be that close to people, but they could be neighbors you don't know or have never even talked to or we can do all of our shopping online, and that removes the opportunity to interact with the, the grocery checkers or the, the attendants or the, the clerks, you know, the folks that work in real stores. We can just do everything, and we, can, we, can, we don't – it seems like we don't need the, the interaction anymore. We can do everything online. And it's even, it's even strange for us sometimes when, when we have a real inquisitive person. We bump into someone socially who's like, hey, good morning. How are you doing? Whoa. We're, we're almost not used to that. My dad is, is the type of, of man that when we walk down the street, uh, he'll, he'll greet everyone. And people aren't used to that. <laughs> people don't know how to respond to a greeting anymore. And sometimes you're like, why is this person being so friendly to me? What do you, what, what do you want from me? But this thought of, what, of connecting and, and investing your life with a group of people, this may be completely foreign. But if you become a Christ follower... And you begin to dig into the Bible, you discover that, you discover this that community is is central to the way we cooperate with God, and it's key to the blessing, key to blessing in life. Community, getting to know one another, doing life closely with other Christ followers. One of the blessings you experience is refreshment. Here's the definition for the word refresh: it's to refresh is to give new energy and strength to someone. If you refresh someone, you're 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 giving them strength through your life. And in the church community, you can experience real friendships when you, when you do this. And you, in your friendships, you can be honest with others about who you are, and people can be honest with you about who they are. And this, this type of acceptance actually brings growth and change, the, the type that God intends. But to experience that type of refreshment, it's just not easy. There's no easy way to get refreshed in life apart from stepping into other people's lives. You have to take the step of investing in community and in the lives of others if you want to experience refreshment. Many of you really have done this. You've taken the risk uh, through the years. You've taken the risk and you've moved towards this church community. You've moved towards people. You've said yes to opportunities to build friendships. And God has used so many of you to welcome others and help others get connected here. Many of you have just by doing that, you've reinforced what we've been trying to say that we're about. And you've, you've lived that out. You've taken that risk. And in doing that, you've gained as well. That's brought some refreshment into your life. In other words, refreshment flows back to me when I refresh others. This is a very important principle. You find this in, in several uh, areas of life. But in friendships, you, you certainly find this. Refreshment flows back to me when I refresh other people. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It's a pretty simple verse. But it's, it's powerful to get your mind around this. Look at this first phrase, a generous man will prosper. In the original language, this word generous, it's not just having to do with like a person who's financially generous, you know, pulling out your wallet and, and sharing or helping with needs. It certainly includes that, but it's more than that. To be generous in the, in the original language, 
This was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament. The word generous, it means to, to be a blessing to others. If you're generous, you're a person who seeks to be a blessing to other people. You're generous to them. Meaning, you step into their world and you enhance their world through your life. You're generous with them. You add value. You add good. You bless other people through your life. You're generous. You serve someone by seeing their needs and helping with their needs. You're generous with your time. You're generous certainly with your resources when there's opportunities. You refresh them in a sense. And the verse says when you, when you are generous with them, what happens is you prosper. So you give to them, but somehow you get. You, you're generous, you pour out, but it comes back and you begin to thrive. The word prosper in, in the original language, it means to thrive, to have an abundance, not to be scarce or, or lean, but to have more than you need. So you pour out, and the more you pour out, over time you experience, you gain a great deal. Now, we, we have a lot to say to unpack this idea in this, in this message. God will take care of you. And he will bring people around you who will be generous with you as you first seek to be a person who's generous with others. You take the first step. Then the verse goes on. And it, it, essentially, it states the same thing twice in this verse. Generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You see the same idea there. The picture here is you water someone. You, 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 re, you know, If someone is thirsty, you give them something to drink. And you do this knowing that God will make sure then when you're thirsty and you need a drink, that you will have what you need as well. You pay attention to the needs and those who are thirsty in your life. When your need comes up, God, he ensures, he provides those in your life to refresh you. Note the tone of this verse is abundance. It's abundance. It's not like a generous person. The question often comes up in our mind, if I give of my life, Will, will there be anything left? Actually, it's, it's so counterintuitive. The, the more you give, you experience more coming back. There's an abundance. God will not be, you know, he, he is so much, you know, more generous than we are. And so he, he, he's the one that supplies the refreshment background. That's not always on our timetable. But you experience a deep, deep refreshment as God takes care of you. And that's what this series is really has been about. We want to help us forge ahead so we can more and more experience the blessing that comes from being involved in a church community. Now, let's dig in a little further. There's really two ways, two main ways to live this verse out and experience refreshment here at OCC. And as the verse implies, it involves giving of ourselves. Because if we hold back, we really miss out. Not only do we miss out, but we may find ourselves dropping out prematurely, assuming, man, I don't really fit here. Sometimes we don't hang in there long enough and we pull back and we withdraw, assuming, yeah, I didn't, I didn't belong. This wasn't really a place I belonged. So here's two ways to find an experience refreshment. The first is build friendships, and the second is to team up to serve. And through the years, I've seen that relationships and responsibilities are really what you know? What most growth in the lives of people around here? Uh, it includes this aspect of having relationships and bearing responsibilities. If people don't form relationships in a church or don't bear responsibilities, then there's really no glue to that particular place, and slowly people drift away. Now, there's some very real fears when it comes to these two areas. 
So look, look with me at a few New Testament, New Testament verses. First one regarding the opportunity of building friendships. Look at the way that the early church, the earliest Christians, they were described in the book of Acts. This is in the city of Jerusalem where the first Christians gathered. And basically, after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, he spent a short period of time with his followers. There was not many of them, let's say around 100 committed and, and on mission and prepared for uh, whatever Jesus told him to do. And so he gives them an assignment and a mission to live for, and then he ascends to heaven. Then God had gathered a large group of people around the disciples, the apostles, these first Christians. And God draws a large crowd one day, and the church explodes. It goes from a small group, you know, around 100 to 3,000. There's this powerful explosion where people want to know more about God and what Jesus has done. And so Peter, the leader, he preaches a, a sermon. A bunch of people respond, and now they go from small group to really large group, and they have to figure out what do we do next. And what they do is described here in Acts chapter 2. They start sharing life together. They start attending to each other's needs. They attend the temple together. They gather as large groups, and they, they meet in small groups. And so look at verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking breads in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. They're sharing life together. What's really interesting is you have this really large group. What, what do we do? Well, we get to know each other. We're a part of a movement, and it's not intended for us just to be disconnected. No, we begin to embrace one another. We begin to draw closer to one another. We're in this together. That's a picture. And it's not just, oh, that, that, this is a description of what happened, but then through the New Testament letters, you see a call towards this through, through the New Testament. And so... Verse 47, it says of them, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And as more people, you know, were reached, those people got involved as well. They were attending the temple. They were breaking down into into their homes, into smaller groups. And so the passage in Acts, it shows there was this regular relating that occurred both inside and outside. Inside the temple, but then outside in people's homes. Now, this gathering right here would be like the temple. It's a large group gathering. We would worship. You know, we have, we've been worshiping. And if this is new for you, then this can feel pretty uncomfortable. It can feel pretty scary. Regardless, you know, this is a pretty safe environment. You know, I'm not, I'm not you know, asking you to introduce yourself before the whole group. I'm not going to do anything weird like that. I'm not going to stand you up if you're a guest and say, you know, tell us about yourself. I'm, if, if you don't really want to interact, you can sneak in mid-song. You can sneak out mid-song. You can, I'll let you know, there's the glass doors that leads to a gate. You can hop the fence. No, you don't have to really interact. You know, it's a pretty safe environment, you know, but there's slight risk. But the outside gathering, now that the inside gathering here, there's slight risk. Outside gathering, I'd say there's more risk, right? It's even scarier to step into someone's home, to, to begin to interact in a small group. What's going to happen there? It's a smaller group. I'll probably have to say something. And so what's that like? So I've asked Scott Lamberth, our associate pastor over groups and care, to come up and share a little bit about this area, highlighting some of the challenges, the benefits, and give some tips to us. How y'all doing? Good. Um, Josh is right. This really is an important part of life connecting on a deep friendship level. And in fact, um, our ability to connect 
and make deep friends is actually what kind of how God created us different from the rest of creation. And we really do bear his image. And, uh, you know, we, we can do this. We can connect with one another. Um, what's sad to me is people can actually go their whole life, get married, have children, and never actually have a really close friend, even with their family. So close friendships really are what make life good. And in fact, it really is a blessing and a gift from God to do this. So here's a couple quotes I have from some members of our church um, who are just speaking to the benefits of their relationships here. So building friendships at OCC, you can look at these on the screen, um, has allowed me to experience a level of trust and friendships I had not yet experienced prior to coming to OCC. I have now have friends in which we think alike. We think the best of one another. Uh, we're like-minded in how we relate, and I receive steadfast love and care, even in good and bad seasons. I think I'm filled with joy when I consider the friends I've developed over the last eight years here at OCC. So really, that she's speaking to just the blessing of relationships. Here's a quote from a guy who's talking about just the growth he's experienced in friendships. At OCC, I've made friends that have graciously walked with me through my struggles. By building friendships with people that have been willing to invest in me, I have been able to grow in ways I never thought possible. Um, this type of friendship is not automatic. You know, we had our small groups promotion this morning, and, you know, you know, you can come to a small group and meet some people, but you're not just going to show up and suddenly have 10 best friends. It actually requires some things. So I want to go over some tips here. These are 10 practical tips to building friendships, and I really think these are helpful. In fact, um, if you've said, hey, I've tried making friends, and it just doesn't work out, I'm willing to stake my Pulitzer. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm willing to stake my reputation that there's probably an error in one of these 10 tips going on. So I, I really encourage you to pay attention to this and live this out. Here, so here's the first one. It simply requires an investment of time, effort, and intention. You really have to say, I'm going to connect with people at a deep level, whether or not it kills me. And I'm going to find a place to do this, and I'm going to put in the work and the effort, and I'm going to allow this process to, you know, to take root. And I'm going to practice all the other tips. <laughs> um, you need fishing holes. Like I said, small groups church is a great fishing hole. As in a fish, fishing hole to meet friends. And as in a fishing hole, you don't just show up and suddenly have a stringer full of fish. I wish it was that way. You buy your fishing license, your pole, and you show up, and there you go. You actually have to fish, and it takes skill, and you need tips on how to do it. So let's learn how to fish here. So number two is we need to push past our preferences for friendships. And simply what I mean by this is you really have to widen your strike zone for who you think you can be friends with. It really is, if you think about it for just a moment, I'm not mad at anybody who said this because I've said this, but if you really think about it, is it's pretty arrogant to say, I don't think I can be friends with those people. I don't know if we'll ever truly connect. Now, can I, can I, uh, yeah, interject, interject here. <laughs> I, uh, I, when we started this church, Scott moved out here with us, he and his wife. Another uh, guy over here, wave your hand, Chapman's, Chapman's, okay, they're right there. In case you're wondering if they exist, there is the Chapman's right there. Lambers, Chapman's, De La Rosa's, and then one other guy, He's he's he may not be in the room right now, Barry Palmer, he's on our safety team. 
we moved out here. Did we have the same preferences and interests? No, not at all. I mean, you got like rock climbing. What were you into in those days? Yeah. Climbing, hiking. Climbing, hiking. Settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan. <laughs> DJ and you know DJ was in, as far as the men. So rock climbing. DJ was into four buying. You know four wheel, four by fouring, whatever that. You know however you four buying, uh, and building things and uh, fast cars and working on cars. Uh, I was into like the real like, you know the sports like the baseball and the you know the the in the in the in the stadium sports, those kinds of things, and and then very into weightlifting, and and you know, and so very different, very different. But that adds a real diversity to what God did in those early years, as we learned to get past our preferences. I, I just wanted to interject that because no, it makes me think about the early days, and that even, and then you know, our wives were even far different from each other, also, which led into that. I played a lot of softball in those years. And if you know me, I shouldn't be anywhere near a softball field. So. <laughs> but we did it. We did. And that, that I'll, I'll kind of follow up on that conversation with another tip towards the end that's helpful for how, how it worked for us, why it worked, what did we do. And we practice all of these, but there's one key thing we did. So you have appropriate expect, um, you know, we have appropriate, um, you wind your strike zone for who you think you can be friends with. You also need to buy up opportunities to meet people's needs. Um, you, Josh had talked about sowing the seeds of refreshment, you know, giving and receiving refreshment. We have to sow them if we're going to receive them. Friendships are reciprocal. Um, we need to reciprocate. So we have to do our part first and we don't worry about what the other person does. We just do our part, which leads into number four is have appropriate expectations on friendships. This is key. Uh, funny story about that. When I was in junior high, my mom said I could have a birthday party with mixed genders. Pretty excited, all right? So me and my friend, best friend, we're going to throw a party. We didn't invite any of our friends. We invited the girls we liked. And uh, we didn't really know them, but we invited them, you know? And did any of them show up? No, no. We set this huge party. My parents were probably like, what are they doing? You know, and we had all this food and decorations, and we just ate a lot of food that night. So um, don't worry, I'm okay. <laughs> I recovered. Many years of therapy. Just kidding. kidding. (laughs) No, it was, uh, um, I had the wrong expectations, right? You don't just send out an invitation to get people to show up to your house. It takes investment. So um, that's a funny story, but you really have to think through, do I have hidden expectations that aren't being met? And that really is a wall and a hindrance for me going deeper with people. Um, Which leads me to... Uh, Number five, which is working toward being honest and open at an appropriate pace. And what I mean by this is you can have people you get to know where it's too much too soon, right? And then you have people that you've related to for a couple years and you don't even know where they work. You know, it's like a blank slate. So just learning how to do that. Um, Avoiding comparison and boasting is incredibly important as well. You saw in the video, the Insta Live video, which was kind of fun and clever video. Um... Social media doesn't help with this. Comparison in relationships is never, ever good. It just never is. And social, social media, when you're taking that in, you're comparing. I don't have that. And when you're posting, you're boasting. Sorry, a little clever term. 
that's my dad joke for the morning. (laughs) But um, and that makes it hard on your friends, right? Doesn't make it easy for them to compare. Again, not mad at anybody. We all do this. It's just nice to know what we're doing, right? Um, We also need to work through unresolved problems in relationships. Some of you have unresolved trust issues. Some of us have unresolved trust issues. This is very real, and it's to be validated. Parents have hurt us sometimes. People have hurt us at some times. Friends have hurt us. And if that's a big causes a big trust issue for you with people, as you go deeper in your relationships, you're going to continue to hit a wall. And that just needs to be worked through. You need to find someone to help metabolize those experiences and process them through. So I encourage you to think through that also. Um, number um, eight is practice kindness and sacrificial care. This is similar to sowing the seeds. The Bible calls this agape love. It's where we get the idea of just putting the goals and interests of above our own. Putting the goals of interest of others above our own. You have to be kind. Do you like hanging out with people who are rude and unkind? We have to be kind. And that requires selflessness. Um, number nine is count the cost of polarizing and strange habits ideologies and practices um not the best example of this but when i was a younger man i was very vocal about certain political opinions i had i recognized later it's not that i maybe shook those political opinions i just recognized that they're kind of like gray areas in life they're not as important so i stopped talking about them because i wanted friends (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted friends who weren't just thinking this exact same way I was in every category. Because you'll never find that. So there's habits we have that polarize us. They separate us. There's ideologies we have that polarize us, separate us. You just got to figure out, is it worth it? If it's worth it, great. If it's not, maybe consider dropping it. Um, And last but not least, is requires shoulder-to-shoulder relating. And what I mean by this is you have face-to-face relating, shoulder-to-shoulder relating. Shoulder-to-shoulder is actually doing something, working on a project, accomplishing a goal that you're like-hearted in with people. Even ladies have to connect this way. Face-to-face, having coffee, meals, talking, that's great. It's important also. It's good for the beginning of a relationship. It's good for maintaining. But if you don't do things together, you will not be close. And this is what helped our launch team really connect. We were able to push through our preferences, work through some things, because we were launching a church. It was a lot of work, and we were all invested in it, and we worked shoulder to shoulder. So this place is a great way to get involved and do shoulder to shoulder work. So I encourage you to take this seriously. There really is a lot of blessing from this, um, and you really can fit here. Thanks, Scott. On the back side of your listening guide, here's the other area of experiencing refreshments to team up to serve. Peter writes this to the church. He's written this, and in his letter, it was to be circulated to all the churches that were sprouting up in the first century. But he writes, this is the kind of church, these are the types of relationships that ought to be the norm within the church. And look at how he describes the, the relationships. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins. There's a certain way to relate. And he says, love people 
earnestly. Now, here's a picture of what it means to earnestly do something. The, the Greek word has to do with stretching and straining. When you say you're doing something earnestly, you're giving it all you've got with all of your energy, all of your focus. You're pushing forward to love people, to care for people, to be in each other's lives. You're straining. This, this is like a, a sprinter trying to break the tape, trying to win the race. This involves exertion, and it's not just one person, but you see, everyone's pushing forward. Many people are loving in this way. Peter says this is the way that we're to relate. We're to love one another in this way, straining, exerting effort. Picture a group of people serving and loving each other sacrificially in this way. That's, that's a powerful picture. It goes on, it says in verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling, meaning welcome those who are coming from the outside, welcome the guests, welcome the strangers. And it says, as, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. The picture here is we're using our gifts. We're exerting a lot of energy and effort together. And we're pushing forward. We're on a mission together within the church. We're aiming to accomplish God's mission. We're hosting people well. So if you serve on a ministry team and you you've teamed up already to serve with us, then you're, you're doing this. You're practicing hospitality. You're, you're welcoming people coming in from the outside. I've invited John McWhorter, another one of our associate pastors who oversees our volunteers and help people get connected in, in serving here to share a little bit about some of the opportunities. Yeah, that, that's right. This verse is saying that it's actually giving instruction to do this. Team up to serve. It's kind of an instructive, um, which it helps us. It gets us past the... It gets us off the seat uh, sometimes to be instructed. And being a portable church, it, it has some challenges, but it also has some really great benefits. And one of them is we need a lot of help to do what we do. I'm standing on a stage that was set up by a team this morning in the backdrop and the lights and the, I mean, every, just about every element this morning uh, had to be set up. And some of you are the ones that did it. So thank you. Um, the truth is we need large teams of people to accomplish what needs to be accomplished to do God's work here. Um, for example, here's just some fun, a fun example. Just, just this morning, 55 people were needed to set up and run our kids' ministry between the two services, prep in early, you know, or, or prep earlier in the week for today. Some people checked in kids. Some people are holding babies right now and changing diapers. Others are teaching the older kids or helping the teachers. Um, 12 people came. Maybe, maybe there's a few more today at 7.30 a.m. To, to set all of this up. Uh, 15 other, another team, 15 came to stuff the programs that you got on your way in. They also put pins on the chairs and thought about greeting you on, uh, for each service on your way in. Seven volunteers right now are next door pouring into our high school students. Uh, they do that every week during second service. I think we have a picture of, of some of these different we, teams that right. John is describing. There you go. So these are, and this isn't, this doesn't even capture most. This is some, um, Six others are on the safety team this morning, keeping an eye on things that could distract uh, while we're here together. Fourteen, at least, volunteers uh, practiced with their instruments earlier in the week or set up the, the slides and the audio uh, for this morning. And actually, one loyal volunteer uh, weekly washes the tablecloths that are all over this, this uh, building in this campus. And so, by the way, we could build up that team a little bit. Um, so if you're interested, let me know. But... <laughs> But I share these numbers and, and pictures just to show you that there is a lot of surface area, if you will, to join in, to serve, to, to receive the instruction and then to take action here with us. Um, 
there's two real benefits, I think. There's, there's a lot. There's two benefits that come. This is the greatest one. When you serve, you really do see God at work. Because what you're doing is you're lining your energy, your time, your effort up to the things that God cares about. It's his work that we're doing. And so that's where he is, and that's where we see him if we're watching. The other thing, uh, um, there's several, but the other thing I'll highlight is you really do experience refreshment. On the top of your listening guide, Proverbs 11 says um, that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. When we serve here, we're serving God by being a part of his work, but his work is people. So we're serving people. And, and, and I've experienced this. I believe that verse because it's God's word. I also believe it because I've experienced refreshment as I've teamed up to serve. And here's, here's one of the significant things about this whole thing. All of the serving here, I just alluded to this, all of the serving, all the teams. By the way, I didn't even mention every volunteer position. It would take too long. There's people during the week that serve as well, not just on Sundays. But all of that serving, it's related to the mission of our church, which we get from Jesus' instruction. We're following as best we can what he told us to do, which is to reach those that are far from him. So we really are doing hospitality when we serve people uh, that aren't in our group, people that are guests and come. And my point is this, there's, there is no mundane task. There is no wasted energy when you, you know, get up and, and serve. Um, that, that's a real benefit. There is no wasted energy when we do what God says. The other benefit, which we've been highlighting along the way, is, is it was Scott's 10th point. When we go shoulder to shoulder, this is the chance to do that, to, to join a team, go shoulder to shoulder, and gain the relationships that make life so rich and rewarding. And so the truth is, uh, we really do need you to serve here at OCC. If you're here, we'd love to have you join a team. Um, again, the numbers I mentioned, that's just today. We have two services. We have monthly rotations on and off. We have week, midweek needs of, for volunteers and events come and go. And, and so we really do need a lot of people. So this is your invitation to, to experience the benefit and, and team up with us. If you'd like a place to serve, find a place, write that on your connection card and I'll follow up with you this week. Thanks, John. Yeah, the, the experience they had in the early first church when 3,000 people all of a sudden become a part of the church kind of overnight is, well, how do we get involved? Well, everybody just takes a step towards the community, towards each other, towards opportunities and needs. And so we're trying to flesh out these passages here and give some practical ways that you can be a part of that. That, that picture in First Peter of straining towards the finish line, loving one another earnestly, we would not be able to set up and tear down what we do if we walked towards the finish line each week. No, people are moving together, working hard together. They are earnestly, sacrificially serving together, and that really honors the Lord. And so thank you for uh, being a part of that. For the many of you that are really involved in, in those ways, we're so grateful. We could not do what we do without your serving. I want to invite our worship team to come back up to this stage. And if you've been, as we've been sharing, if you have been saying, you know, I've tried that, but it hasn't worked out, then... We really hope that today has laid out some practical next steps so that you don't opt out of this congregation prematurely and then miss out on what God you know, intends to do in and through your life. At the bottom, you notice there's some next steps, and you can reply on the back of your connection card to getting plugged in here in the ways that John and Scott had mentioned. So uh, let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. And thank you for the 
just the momentum that we see in the early church and that we have really aimed to um, to live out here and to invite people in to be part of uh, what you're doing in this part of Southern California and in this town. And Lord, thank you for the momentum that you've given us as a church and the many people who've taken a step forward to be a part of this. We pray that many more would, Lord. Pray that we would keep making space and room for others to join in with us and find this um, as a place where they could really plug in and fit. Lord, We ask for your help in doing this. Uh, Lord, that you would really connect the dots and the relationships, Lord, as you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.